the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There's a culture war going on in this country. We can no longer remain silent on the issues that affect us all. Decisions we make now will determine our future. But how do we engage with the culture in a way that honors Jesus? How do we rise above the noise to know what is right and what is true? It's time to bring God back into the conversation. It's time to reconnect. Here's Carmen. Welcome, friends. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is The Reconnect, where we're putting God in his place, back where he belongs, right in the middle of every conversation. So how do we do that? How do we enter the conversations of the day as the very ambassadors of Jesus Christ? How do we speak the mind of Christ on the matters of the day? Well, you and I both know that starts with cultivating the mind of Christ by saturating our lives in the Word of God uh, and actually becoming the disciples of Jesus whose lives are conformed by one degree of glory to another by the power of the Holy Spirit more into the likeness uh, of who Christ is. I mean, let's face it, people don't need another piece of our mind. What they need is the peace of the mind of Christ. Now, I think we are just the people to give it to them, so let's get equipped to do that. We've got resources posted for you online at reconnectwithcarmen.com. You can like us on Facebook and let us know what you're thinking about on Twitter. I'm at Carmen LaBerge. All right, friends, we are talking on the Reconnect about what everybody's talking about today, and that is President Trump's speech last night. Um, if you have not yet had an opportunity to uh, to listen to the speech or to read it, I would really encourage you uh, to, to take the opportunity to do that. My favorite line of the speech um, probably was when the president said, I don't represent the world. I represent the United States of America. That is true of the president of the United States. Um, he's not the president of the whole world. He doesn't represent the whole world. Um, he represents the United States of America and, and the interests of it. Now, for Christians from a Christian worldview, you know, what do we say in that in the midst of that exact same conversation? Well, I say in the midst of that in the to the midst of that conversation, I represent Jesus. I don't represent the world either. And in fact, I don't really represent just the United States of America. I represent Jesus Christ. I represent the kingdom of God and I'm I'm here as an ambassador of that kingdom. Well, we had an opportunity to um, have a conversation a little bit earlier today with U.S. Congressman Chris Smith. He represents New Jersey's 4th District. He was in the House last night uh, during the president's address. And um, if you're not familiar with Representative Chris Smith, I encourage you to to check out uh, what he is doing. Uh, and you can find him uh, on the U.S. Gov website, Chris Smith. Let's. I'm just going to let you just listen to the interview, and then we'll come back, and you and I'll talk about it. Congressman Smith, welcome to the Reconnect. Thank you very much. Great to be on. So, well, thank you. You've been in the House long enough to have uh, had last night's experience before with other incoming presidents. Tell us uh, how last night compared um, to other experiences you've had. What did it feel like to be in the House last night, and what are your takeaways? Uh, it was Reagan-esque. I was there for Reagan's um, uh, State of the Unions and, and virtually every speech he made. Uh, I think it was Donald Trump's best speech ever. Uh, and he was very substantive. He was very deliberate. Uh, he called us to 
accomplish bigger things, to, to unify. Uh, and he did it with, I think, a great deal of class um, and professionalism. So I think many of the critics, you know, he has an agenda that will help put America back to work, um, you know, uh, reach out to, you know, the, the whole idea of Obamacare. I mean, there's no doubt Obamacare is imploding. And if we were cynical, we would just wait a couple of years and it would completely crash and burn. But because we care so much about the people, and he made this very clear last night, we need to replace it uh, with a program uh, that ensures that people can get access to health care, but not in a egregiously flawed uh, program. So I know you have some particular um, passions and particular kinds of legislation that you like to see moved through. Um, We certainly watch and support everything that you do related to comprehensive pro-life issues and human trafficking and religious liberty. Um, And so I'd like to I'd like to walk through those subject matter areas with you and you can tell us what um, you know, what you see as as happening since Trump has become president in relationship to these things and maybe what's on the legislative uh, agenda going forward. Um, so let's just let's start with human trafficking. We uh, here on our program were on the air when President Trump was having his meeting last week uh, on this subject of human trafficking. And we heard him uh, talk about bringing the full force of the federal government to bear on this issue. Translate that sentence for us. Uh, that means very faithfully implementing the Trafficking Victims Protection Act, which I am the author of, um, and, and ensuring uh, that there is zero tolerance for modern-day slavery, whether it be in government procurement, and we do have the law. It was not effectively implemented by Obama. Uh, and I can say that because I held the oversight hearings and was disgusted uh, by that lack of enforcement. And, and to ensure that, that we take the lead globally uh, in promoting respect for women and children, because they are primarily uh, the, the victims of human trafficking, sex and labor trafficking, and, um, and to make it a, a core issue of this administration. And, and I think he's made that very clear, uh, that he'll do that. I will, in my subcommittee, which oversees human rights, uh, try to make sure that you know, we, we really aggressively uh, take that position as a country, and uh, that's domestic and international. So I'm, I'm very encouraged. Well, we're encouraged as well. And one of our great friends here on the Reconnect is Frank Wolf. And okay. one of the things that he told me um, in, in his office during his very last term, when I said, who am I going to talk to about religious liberty issues after you retire? And he said, well, you can still talk to me because I'm going to still be working on these things. But then you got to start talking to Chris Smith because he's the guy. Um, so bring us uh, up to date in terms of your perspective on religious liberty issues, uh, who you see helping us advance the religious liberty agenda um, internationally nationally, how the State Department functions in that. Just just kind of give us an overview of where things are at on these issues um, and maybe how we can help you uh, advance on, on these causes. Oh, you. you know, I am the prime author of a bill that was signed into law called the Frank Wolf International Religious Freedom Act, and it builds on the tremendous work that Frank Wolf has done years to date, including his landmark law in 1998 called the International Religious Freedom Act. Uh, unfortunately... It has not been implemented faithfully until Rabbi Saperstein got the job. Uh, but for the first several years of the Obama administration, there was lackluster uh, enforcement of that law. Uh, that, I believe, under under um, President Trump, uh, we've given him brand new tools. Um, uh, we've strengthened the International Religious Freedom Office 
at the State Department, uh, giving them the ability to really hold countries to account to a greater degree if they are complicit or indifferent. Um, and when it comes to the genocide that has been committed and it's ongoing against Christians and Yazidis and a few others in the Middle East, particularly by ISIS, um, I was in Erbil right before Christmas, December 23rd, and met many of the refugees, Archbishop Warda, uh, in, um, in um, uh, Erbil, which is in Kurdistan, which is part of Iraq. And I was, again, shocked and dismayed by the lack of responsiveness by the U.S. government under Obama to provide humanitarian aid. Uh, I had bishops and clergy people, pastors telling me, and individual citizens, where is the United States? Why aren't you helping us? So I introduced a bill, a comprehensive bill, uh, that would provide humanitarian aid and other important uh, parts to this policy. Uh, I'm hoping we can get that marked up. Some of it could be done administratively by the Trump administration, and I think it will be. Uh, we understand already since the visit uh, that the State Department is, is now much more focused on providing that humanitarian aid. I'll give you an example. I went to a a uh, refugee camp, internally displaced camp, with 6,000 Christians. Not a dime, I say again, not a dime of U.S. funding uh, to help these people, even though I and others had requested repeatedly, had nine hearings on it, nine congressional hearings, asking the previous administration to lend assistance, provide humanitarian assistance. That is now changing. And I think under, under the new president, uh, we'll also see uh, a much more robust effort uh, to include all people at risk, not just some, and that has to include the Christians. So, folks, we're talking with Congressman Chris Smith. He's from the 4th Congressional District of New Jersey. This is his 19th 19th two-year term uh, in office. Uh, and so he is one of uh, the, the highest-ranking members of the House, uh, which gives him leadership roles in, in lots of very significant committees. And his passions, uh, the things that he is concerned about, are the things that we're concerned about here on the Reconnect. Uh, and so I want you to be following him on Twitter, at Rep Chris Smith, checking out what he's doing, Chris Smith, chrissmith.house.gov. Um, so, Representative Smith, um, when you look at, let's just say, this this particular Congress, what's yeah. in what's ahead of us? Because I think that out here, you know, in the in the everyday working world, we um, we're probably most concerned about education. We're most concerned about health care. We're most concerned about um, issues related to the military because we want to be safe yeah. and we want to feel safe. But we also, as Christians, have these concerns that are related to life and liberty. And when we talk about liberty, we're talking about religious liberty. And um, and, and so help us um, sort of see the scope of the work that you think is in front of this Congress. Uh, and then we want to pray for you. Oh, thank you very much, Carmen. Uh, we, um, first of all, on the, on the pro-life <clears throat> front, uh, it is time that the Weldon Amendment, named after Congressman Dave Weldon, a uh, former member from Florida, it is probably the most important conscience protection we have domestically. Uh, it was unenforced for eight years uh, under President Obama. So we had a situation where churches were being coerced by the power of the federal government to include abortion uh, in their health care. Uh, we know Obamacare pays for about a thousand insurance plans, big plans, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, in some cases, in different states, uh, even though he told us that wouldn't happen in a joint session of Congress back in 2009. Um, so it was another lie, another falsehood. Um, 
the House has already passed my bill, H.R. 7, the No Taxpayer Funding for Abortion Act, um, and it's now in the Senate. Hopefully they'll vote on it as well and pass it. And it makes permanent all of the pro-life writers like the Hyde Amendment, uh, which has saved at least two million lives uh, since it was first enacted 40 years ago by the great, great Henry Hyde, who has now passed, uh, but a, a tremendous champion of pro-life. Uh, but part two of H.R. 7, No Taxpayer Funding for Abortion Act, makes it clear that Obamacare uh, no longer subsidizes abortion with taxpayer funds. Even as we're going through the process of repealing and replacing, uh, we got to ensure that Obamacare, because it probably will not happen overnight, does not continue to fund uh, dismemberment and chemical poisoning of unborn children. We also have um, the Supreme Court, obviously, uh, and the new justice, uh, who I hope and I believe will be very pro-life. We don't know that, but I believe he will be. Uh, we know if Hillary Clinton got in, <clears throat> there's no doubt that um, the her pick uh, would have been profoundly pro-abortion. So mm-hmm. we do have a shot here uh, of because everything ultimately ends up before the court, and we've got to make sure that you know that court respects the Constitution, as the president said last night. The legislation dealing with pain-capable uh, children so that abortions would be cut off at least at the 20th week. Imagine 24, 25, 26-week um, uh, old babies being dismembered. It's, it's, they feel it. They feel the pain. Mm-hmm. And we have a piece of legislation authored by Trent Franks uh, that would end that egregious and barbaric practice of dismembering these children. I've introduced a bill to end dismemberment abortion. Uh, We know five states have passed such laws. Uh, When Americans wake up uh, to the deed, what is actually done to that precious, fragile, uh, unborn child? Dismemberment, chemical poisoning, um, I think they're going to, in mass, become more uh, concerned about, you know, they they are the least of our brethren, the least of these. Uh, And obviously the co-victim of every abortion is the mother as well. Uh, So we have a number of important pro-life initiatives. Uh, Our leadership, uh, uh, Paul Ryan, uh, Kevin McCarthy, uh, they are totally in favor of the right to life. They believe in the sanctity of life, and and they lead uh, into the wind if necessary in order to defend life. When it comes to schools, I loved what President Trump said last night, that, you know, education is the new civil right, um, you know, that we've got to realize that our schools in many places are failing. And that's when he offered, you know, the idea that school choice uh, would help, uh, whether it be public, private, charter, magnet, religious, or home schools, um, we would be there for the parents and for the student uh, so that they get the best possible education imaginable. The job situation, Carmen, um, you know, the point last night that was made, 94 million people who are out of the workforce, that's a record. These are people who have, many of whom have given up. Uh, We know that those who are working, large numbers are underemployed. You know, they have jobs or two or three um, uh, part-time jobs. Uh, The last eight years have been a killer of jobs, and 43 million people um, in poverty and on food stamps. And I think what the president said last night about the debt, why we need a robust and growing economy, uh, is that, you know, the debt can undo everything. The debt has doubled under President Obama, from 10 to 20 trillion with a T dollars in debt. Um, 
I've never seen anything like it. I mean, that's more, as he said, than all the presidents before him combined. Mm. I mean, that, that, that just jumps off the pages as, as to recklessness. And, uh, and I was glad he led off with his views, uh, and they're strongly held uh, in combating anti-Semitism. I wrote a law uh, back in 2004 that established the special envoy for combating anti-Semitism. Uh, that was my, my, my legislation, and uh, it is law now. Uh, and we need to realize anti-Semitism is at home, and it's overseas, and it is the millennia-old hate that has to be combated every time it rears its ugly face. Um, it is just awful uh, what some people uh, do to Jewish people um, in terms of what they say and especially what they do uh, in terms of desecration of, of, of tombstones and physical attacks on community senators, centers and people in synagogues. It, 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 it's in, you know, when you look at the FBI statistics on hate crimes vis-a-vis religious you know, Christians are less than 10%, Muslims less than 10%. Even though it's only, Jews comprise only about 2% of the population, uh, less than 2 uh, they have about 70% or so of all the hate crimes committed against them uh, when it comes to faith. Um, there, there's no doubt that anti-Semitism is a serious problem. The fact that he led off with that, I thought, was uh, very, very telling and important. Well, folks, the voice you're hearing is Congressman Chris Smith. He is from the 4th Congressional District in New Jersey. Um, can we pray for you before we oh, let you go today? You. I need it. We all need Fa- it. We do. Father, we thank you so much for our brother, um, Representative Chris Smith. Um, we thank you that uh, he knows that he's in the very palm of your hand and that he is doing your work uh, in in Washington on on your behalf and on behalf of the American people. And so we thank you for the heart that you have placed within him. We thank you for cultivating the mind of Christ uh, in him uh, to address the issues of this day. We thank you that you have given him a heart for the unborn. Um, and we thank you that you have given him a heart for people no matter where they live and no matter what religion um, they choose. We thank you for... Uh, the laws that you have through his hand and through his activism and advocacy and through all of the um, bipartisan uh, congressional caucuses that he is a part of, we just thank you for the way that you have anointed him uh, to do what he is doing. And we would ask, Father, that uh, in this particular legislation that right now is in front of the Senate, uh, H.R. 7, uh, no taxpayer funding for abortion, that we would just ask, Father, that having passed it in the House, you would now pave the way to pass it in the Senate. So thank you again for our brother in Christ. Thank you for um, being the spirit within him. Place your spirit of protection around and upon him uh, and provide for those who assist him uh, with every spiritual gift that's necessary for the accomplishing of your will in and through their lives. And we thank you for the opportunities they will have this day to advance your kingdom purposes amidst the kingdoms of this world. Oh, Representative Smith, thank you so Probably much for being you. with and, us you know, today. just add and your audience yeah. as well. Uh, one additional prayer. Uh, I've Absolutely. been in Congress 37 years. Uh, there are groups springing up in all of our districts. Uh, one of them is called Indefensible 4th District, another 4th District Coalition for Change. Uh, and I've gone on their their websites, their blogs, their, their social media, coupled with the emails that we get and the phone calls that we get. One man has called us 133 times. Uh, we've had threats made against my staff. They've been called uh, obscene words in person as well as on the phone. Uh, but to show you the depth of, of this 
group uh, on the negative side, <clears throat> one of the leaders um, in a because Mother Teresa was pro-life, um, this woman has written, and I have a copy of it. Mother Teresa was a sadist mm. and a sham, and she attacks me nonstop, as does mm. her group. Another one uh, we've got we've gotten emails that said, "I hope you get cancer, Christmas, mm. and mm. die." Um, I've never seen it like this before, uh, and it gets even worse than that in terms of uh, the four-letter words that are thrown out nonstop. Um, and this is now passing in the, you know, the CNNs of this world as, oh, these people just want to hold town meetings and, and meet. <clears throat> then you realize who's behind it. Uh, and if you go to their websites, you've already you can see who's behind it. Who's behind it. Yeah. And it's very, very uh, dangerous, I think. It's not dialogue. Uh, it's it, the antithesis of dialogue. It is, it is, it is hate speech, and it's being directed against many of my Republican uh, colleagues all across the country. Uh, and it's it's just amazing to call Mother Teresa a sadist uh, is just that's not dialogue. Well, it's revealing. It's, it's revealing. revealing. It's yes. revealing. Well put. And so we'll, we'll be praying that um, all of that come out into the light and that people be able to see that this is not dialogue. This is diabolical. Um, and, and that uh, God would raise up the spiritual energy that's going to be necessary to combat this culture war that we're in, but in a way where we fight not with the weapons of this world, but uh, with, the, with the spiritual tools that God has given us to withstand. Exactly. Love those who persecute, love those who hate us, but we do have to expose it. Absolutely. Because their agenda for America uh, is, is, again, the polar opposite of what we would hope. Amen. Congressman Smith, thank you so much for being with us today on the Reconnect. Thank you, Carmen. And I do have a hearing later on today, and guess who's testifying? Frank Wolf. Frank, Frank Wolf. It's on, it's on China Frank and Wolf. religious freedom. Amen. Thank you so much. Okay. All right, friends, I hope you are encouraged, uh, both encouraged and then also convicted uh, to be praying. Um, I hope that you are encouraged to know that there are men and women um, who are lovers of Jesus Christ, who are serving in the in the U.S. Congress, in the U.S. Senate, uh, then they want to be advancing a positive agenda for the people of this country. Uh, and so I'm going to encourage you. You know, he told us that he's gotten one, he's got one caller that's called 133 times just to discourage and curse his staff. So I'm wondering if some of you wouldn't uh, feel motivated to call members of Congress um, simply to encourage them and to bless them, to tell them that you're praying for them. That's it. Uh, I'm not asking you to do anything other than that. I'm not asking you to advocate for any piece of legislation. Just to reach out to a member of Congress today and tell them that you uh, want to encourage them, that you want to bless them, and that you understand that there are people actively trying to discourage them and curse them, and that you are standing against that in the name of Jesus Christ, and that you're actively praying for them. Ask how you can actively pray for them. That's what they need most. That's the encouragement that they need most. You heard him say it uh, today. The opposition that they are facing is not an opposition that wants to be in dialogue. It's literally diabolical. It's seeking to tear down individuals. It's seeking to tear down uh, the positive forward progress uh, that is being made. So I want to encourage you. The one thing from the speech that I want to lift up that we haven't talked about yet was the honoring of the widow of Navy SEAL Ryan Owens. And um, if you just want to take a moment today to pray for somebody specific, pray for Corinne Owens. She is the widow of Navy SEAL Ryan Owens, who was killed in the attack um, on uh, th that took place in Yemen, the first 
um, loss under the Trump administration. And we just want to continue lifting her up. That that two minutes last night during the speech, um, I think, was transformative for her. And I hope it was transformative for us as a nation. Hey, I've got a new resource posted for you uh, online. It's in relationship to the movie The Shack. Uh, the, the The movie comes out this Friday. Um, it's It's got some controversial things in it. You're certainly going to... Um, hear folks who have theological, serious theological criticisms of the book, but millions and millions of people are going to go see the movie. And so I want to encourage you to be equipped as a Christian to have conversations about the shack. And so we've got a resource posted for you online related to that. But today is also Ash Wednesday. Um, and I want to remind you that we also have a resource posted on the website in relationship to um, what I describe as the heartbreaking misdirection of Glitter Ash Wednesday. Those who are seeking to use this day um, to co-opt it for the LGBTQ agenda. Um, some will be tempted uh, to pass this day off as some sort of carnival of, of the absurd. Um, folks who would use Ash Wednesday uh, for something that is completely contrary to the the, the purpose of the day. So encourage you to go to reconnectwithcarmen.com uh, during the break and grab those resources, and we will see you right back here in a minute to bring Jesus Christ to bear on the headlines of the day. This is The Reconnect. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Reconnect with your host, Carmen LaBurge. Now, back to Carmen. Hey, friends, I'm Carmen LaBurge, and this is The Reconnect, where we're putting God in his place, back where he belongs, right in the middle of every conversation. So today, in the first half, we were talking about what everybody is talking about, uh, President Trump's speech last night, what you thought about it, what stood out to you. Um, and this afternoon, in this in this part of the show, what we're going to talk about is some of the headlines of the day that captured my attention. Uh, in addition to the president talking about what he's talking about, you know, there's still a lot of other stuff going on, not only in our nation, but around the world. And, and so from a Christian worldview perspective, there's just some things that I want to alert you to. And when you read articles in the newspaper, you, when you see things online and you say to yourself, I don't, I don't exactly know why as a Christian I feel, uh, you know, I have a feeling toward that that is something, something striking me negatively about that. Um, I, I want you to dig around a little bit in that and find maybe where the darkness lies, maybe where the, the truth needs to be um, lifted up uh, and where air needs to be called out. And, hey, the noise you're hearing in the background, uh, I will remind you that we are broadcasting this week from the National Religious Broadcasters Convention, and there's a broadcaster sitting next to me whose um, PA is on. Uh, so there you go. So this article says, Army makes history by putting Muslim in charge of 14,000 U.S. soldiers' spiritual needs. So Hannah Allum wrote this for the McClatchy News Service in Dateline, Washington. In January, Lieutenant Colonel Khalid Shabazz received the call every Army chaplain dreams of. The call that validates years of intense study and hard work toward keeping the U.S. military in good spiritual health. Now, what makes um, Chaplain Shabazz unique is that he will be the first Muslim to serve uh, as a division-level chaplain in the history of the U.S. military. He will be a Muslim uh, providing for the spiritual needs of 14,000 mostly Christian soldiers. If that sounds a little confusing to you, it's a little confusing to me as well. 
But let me tell you that this is a story about the failure of the U.S. church to actually disciple its own kids. This is a story of the failure of the church to prepare its young people for the challenges um, that they're going to face in a pluralistic world. And why do I say that? Well, Shabazz um, was not Shabazz when he was born. He was Michael Barnes. He was born into a large Lutheran family in Alexandria, Louisiana, uh, which is uh, about three hours from New Orleans. Faith was actually at the center of their household. His mother uh, took the kids to church three times a week. Now, let's just stop right there and pause and say we got a problem if mama's the only parent going to church in this particular situation. But anyway, that's what the article says. Um, that his mother took the family to church three times a week. They recited prayers every night. Notably, they recited prayers. Um, the recitation of prayers is not prayer. We all know that. He studied catechism every Saturday before he could go and play football or basketball. Um, and he went to a Christian college called Jarvis Christian College in Hawkins, Texas. And then he went into the military after, um, after spending a little time as a public school teacher. And he says, I fell in love with the idea and the paradigm of the military. And then while he was stationed in Germany, he was working in the motor pool. And in that motor pool was an evangelical, not an evangelical Christian, but an evangelical Muslim. And that evangelical Muslim in the motor pool of the U.S. Army was absolutely advocating for his faith. He was advocating for the virtues of Islam. And... Michael Barnes, for all of his Lutheran catechizing, for all of his being taken to church three times a week, for his entire growing up life um, in Alexandria, Louisiana, for being raised in a Christian home, he was not equipped to deal with uh, an evangelical Muslim who was advocating the virtues of Islam. And so I want you to ask yourself for just a moment. Would I know how to answer the questions that are raised by somebody who is advocating for what they perceive to be the virtues of Islam? And if you say to yourself, well, I don't think I would be, then you too have, you know, you're you're suffering the failure of the U.S. church. If we're not equipping um, our people, if we're not equipping Christians to not only understand the truths of Christianity, but why those, but why those truths are true truth and, and why other religions are false, then we're not, we're not doing what we need to do to prepare our people to actually live uh, and function in the reality of a pluralistic society. So here's what happened. I mean, the article goes on to say that Michael Barnes, um, he certainly was a Christian. He grew fed up with the sort of evangelistic approach of this Muslim soldier. And so he challenged him to a public debate on the merits of their respective religions. So Michael Barnes thought he was prepared for a public discourse, an apologetic discourse, uh, where you know he could put up the truths of Christianity against the uh, the way that Islam was being advocated. Unfortunately, he faced what he describes as being blindsided with facts. Blindsided with facts. Now, I got to tell you, he clearly doesn't know the facts if he was blindsided by what he now perceives to be the facts related to the truth of Islam and the virtues of it. Um, And so as the Muslim soldier launched into a powerful, persuasive defense of his faith that put Islam in in obviously a more positive light than Christianity, um, Michael Barnes... Well, he converted. I mean, not in that moment. He says that he he experienced cognitive dissonance and, and 
and depression and shame. Um, and then he he recognized, uh, he says that he recognized that he needed to pursue this instead, this life of Islam. Okay, so your concern as an American citizen might be that we now have an evangelical Muslim um, who is a convert from Christianity, who is now actively advocating for the virtues of Islam uh, as a, and, and will be doing so as a chaplain over an entire division of the U.S. Army. Um, and he'll have 14,000 soldiers, mostly uh, uh, whom are described as Christians. Well, I wouldn't expect that to hold true after they have spent time under Chaplain Shabazz's uh, evangelical Muslim approach. But there you have it. But the failure in this case is the failure of the church to raise its own children. Um, I have another story, um, sadly, of the failure of the church in terms of uh, its approach in some cases. And, And I would go so far as to say that this article that I'm about to share with you, this is not only not an evangelical church as it describes itself. This is not a church. This is not this is not a church. However, it does uh, have that name and holds that kind of um, of tax exempt designation. We're talking about Spindale, North Carolina. This is an Associated Press story. It, and the lead is ex-congregants reveal years of ungodly abuse. All right, so from all over the world, people apparently flock to this tiny town in the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains, lured by promises of inner peace and eternal life. But what many found instead, the article says, is years of terror waged in the name of the Lord. Congregants of the Word of Faith Fellowship were regularly punched, smacked, choked, slammed to the floor, thrown through walls in a violent form of deliverance meant to purify sinners by beating out devils. Uh, and there's testimony by 43 former members um, in this in this article, uh, and it's a very very lengthy article. And let me just say, there is nothing about what is articulated here as godly. There's nothing in here that is um, that is defended as as faithful discipleship or as worship or as an appropriate approach to fellowship or to raising children or to being the church. This article does not bear testimony to the reality of Jesus Christ, who he is, what he came to do. It re- it, it it is so anti-Christ um, that I don't even, I don't have another way of expressing it. All I can say about this entire situation is no, no. Uh, this is so that's Eric Metaxas on the other side of the curtain running some kind of game show format this afternoon on his show. So, again, I apologize for what's coming uh, to us over the PA while we're having this conversation here at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention here in Orlando, Florida. Um, if you are listening in the WTLN listening area, we are going to be here again tomorrow if you want to come out and watch the show live. Um, and you get to see Eric Metaxas at the same time on the other side of this, uh, uh, this curtain barrier. All right, I'm going to move from that story um, to another one. Obviously, we need to be praying for that situation and all of those, uh, all of those involved in it. I would expect that that AP story is going to be in front of us for some period of time, and Christians need to be able to say that's not the church. That's not the church. Um, it, it, what what this article is going to do is going to f- is certainly fuel the fire that exists out there um, that would seek to tear down Christianity. And we just need to be able to say there's nothing about that that's Christian. There's just absolutely nothing uh, about what was going on um, in this anti-Christ cult. Uh, there's nothing in that story 
uh, that has anything to do with who Jesus Christ is uh, and what he came to communicate to people about who God is and what he came to do to restore us uh, in personal relationship to God the Father um, through his sacrifice on the cross. Uh, and so I guess I, I guess I want to say if anybody is suffering abuse in the context of the church, um, it's not, that's not okay. That's not okay. And we want you to, um, we want you to not be suffering in that way. Um, your experience at the church ought to be the experience of the genuine family of faith. It ought to be an experience of the genuine love of the father expressed in the context of, uh, of a worshiping community, all of whom are brothers and sisters in Christ. And, um, if that's not the experience that you're having, um, then, you know, I want, I want you to not be in that situation anymore. Uh, there are plenty of faithful expressions of the church of Jesus Christ in the world where you can find the kind of fellowship that I'm talking about. Um, and if you are in one where you are experiencing abuse or you see abuse, then you absolutely must go to the authorities and let that be known. Um, and so I would, I've just, I'm just going to encourage you to do that today. All right, friends, you are listening to the reconnect. We're coming to you live from the uh, Orlando World Marriott in Orlando, Florida, during the National Religious Broadcasters Convention. So that's why you hear some background noise as we're talking. I have one more quick uh, church headline for you today before we move on to other concerns related to kids. My next three stories are all about kids. Um, And so this one, uh, we've been talking about the Boy Scouts. We talked about the Boy Scouts decision. We're talking about the Boy Scouts of America. Um, and we talked on the show last month about the announcement by the Boy Scouts of America that they were going to allow girls who self-identify as boys to become members of the organization. Now, they're doing that on a, a case-by-case basis, and it's going to be up to um, the, the leaders of particular areas to determine maybe what troop in their area is the best fit for a uh, transgender a child who is in conflict with their gender and does not see themselves as aligned with the gender of their birth. Um, but basically what we're talking about here is girls being in the Boy Scouts. Now, I told you when we talked about this that this was going to, this was going to mean that many, many churches that sponsor Boy Scout troops were going to have to sever those relationships. We're going to have to discontinue offering the Boy Scouts uh, an opportunity to be aligned with them at their church facility. Well, why is that? Well, because churches can't afford the kind of insurance that they're going to need to cover the liability related to maintaining their theological standards related to um, human sexuality, and particularly in this case, transgenderism, uh, and host on their campus an organization that has made this kind of decision. And so uh, what I bring to you uh, today, the headline, and this is a Christian Post article by Michael Grabowski, who, if you don't read Michael, he's a good friend. Uh, he covers a range of interesting stuff out there, so you should be following Michael Grabowski anyway. But this is posted in the Christian Post. North Carolina megachurch cuts ties with Boy Scouts over transgender policy. And you know, to no, no surprise to me, a multi-site megachurch based in North Carolina has decided to sever its ties with the Boy Scouts of America over that group's new transgender policy. So this is actually in relationship to the Mana Church of Fayetteville, which is going to stop sponsoring Boy Scout Troop 957 sometime this summer. And um, CBS News picked this story up, so you're going to hear this touted out there in the media. And again, we need to be equipped to have conversations with people about the nature of, of human life, the nature of humanity is made in the image of God, male and female, that that 
that is who we are and how God has made us. Uh, And so for us to then say that God has made some kind of mistake uh, and that the body that we have is not the one we want, that we actually identify as the other gender, um, the issue is not that that the physical body is misaligned. The problem is, is in the mind and in the heart. Um, and so we're, I know these are difficult conversations to have, but these are the conversations that must be had. Um, and so when we talk about beginning to accommodate children who identify as a different gender than their biological birth, and we talk about um, manipulating national organizations like the Boy Scouts into becoming accommodating to girls, again, how is the Boy Scouts going to be the Boy Scouts if it's really for girls? <coughs> So, um, here's a troubling headline for you out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. An outraged mother, her kid's in kindergarten. Kindergarten, five years old. An outraged mother called the Milwaukee public school officials in relationship to a kindergarten teacher who had introduced her young students in class to a Ouija board. Now, I want to ask you. Do you remember back when we talked to, um, I think her name was Beth. Remember when we talked to Beth? This has been months ago now. We talked to a woman who'd been a former witch. She'd been raised in the occult. Remember the conversation we had? Her name, oh, Beth Eckert. She used to be a witch. She talked about witchcraft. She talked about witchcraft as a, as a growing uh, reality in, in our culture. She talked about the fascination that people have with the occult and with witches, and she talked about the very real danger of things like Ouija boards. You remember that? Well, you might have read recently that there are witches out there being touted by the media for their efforts to put a spell on the president, and now there's a kindergarten teacher in Wisconsin actively using a Ouija board in the context of public school with kindergartners. And you say, well, yeah, this was probably just a one-off. I mean, surely this isn't something that's been going on for very long. Maybe it's just in the classroom. Oh, no. Here's what the teacher said. The kids have been asking for a scary story. So I got the board out, which, by the way, has been in the classroom. Uh, They've been using it since October, since Halloween. So if you didn't think this was related to the occult, why did she introduce it on Halloween to her classroom? The kids have been asking for a a scary story. So I got the board. I moved the paper clip to answer some of the questions. They asked about scary characters in movies. I didn't say they were spirits. It was all done in fun. Of course, I understand your concern, but it was silly, and I'm sorry. And I will take the board home, and this won't happen again. All right, I got to tell you, if uh, if we got a kindergarten teacher who's using a Ouija board at home, uh, it's still a problem. Um. The five-year-old in this story is now having nightmares. The mother says he's scared to go to bed. He's scared to be in the dark. He's scared to be uh, alone at any time. There are spiritual forces at work in the world, and they are real. Um, And if things like the occult, things like Ouija boards, they're not things that we should be messing around with. Um, And again, if you're wondering what the background music is, it's coming over the PA from... A show being broadcast immediately uh, beside my broadcast booth here at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention here in Orlando, Florida. Does that story trouble you? Um, that five-year-olds would be exposed to the use of a Ouija board, introduced to the spirits related to a Ouija board in the context of a public school in the Milwaukee School District. That's troubling to me. 
spiritual spirits are real. Spiritual warfare is real. When Representative Chris Smith asked us to be specifically praying for the kind of spiritual attack that he and his um, Republican colleagues are experiencing on the Hill right now by people who are um, literally, I, I mean, literally condemning, literally calling down curses upon members of Congress because they disagree with their political positions. Folks, we are in a spiritual battle for the soul of this country. And there's a spiritual war being raged right now over your own soul. Um, I hope you know that. I hope you are guarding your heart um, by filling it constantly with the word of God. I hope that you are guarding your mind by inviting Jesus Christ to be the uh, operating system in there and holding every thought captive to him. I hope that you are actively inviting God to place a spiritual hedge of protection around your life, around your family, around your kids. The world is a dangerous and, and sometimes a very scary place. But public school should not be a place where we should be afraid to, st- to send our kids because they're going to be introduced to the spiritual forces of the evil one, to witchcraft and to Ouija boards. That should not be a fear of the American people. Um, and so I guess we're now at the place in our culture where that conversation has to be had. We need to ha- we have to have to have a conversation at our local, uh, at the level of the local school, making sure these kinds of things aren't being introduced, even in the spirit of, oh, it's just for fun and it's silly and I'm, you know, I didn't mean any of it. Uh, it's not silly. It's not a game. It's a spiritual war. Now, you and I are not going to fight this battle in the same way um, that the world fights its battles, but we are in a battle. We are in a war. And you are, uh, you are in need of being not only awake and alert, but spiritually equipped to, to stand up for the truth that is revealed in the scriptures and to stand firm and to speak with clarity and conviction, to do so always speaking the truth in love. We're never going to present the gospel in non-gospel ways. But you it's your responsibility to bring the mind of Christ to bear on the matters of the day. And one of those things means we're not going to mess around with Ouija boards in public schools and kindergarten. It's not fun. It's not funny. It's not just silly. It's witchcraft. Um, and we need to take it seriously. And anybody who doesn't think that the threats being made by witches uh, who are under a under living under a spiritual authority other than Christ, anybody who doesn't think that witches who are calling down curses on the president actually believe that they are in touch with a power that could do that, we got a culture that misunderstands what's going on. Um, with the powers and the forces of darkness and the evil one in the world. All right? There's a spiritual war being waged. You're on the front line of it. Don't send your kids out ill-prepared to deal with it. Um, Ouija boards are not okay. Witchcraft is not okay. Calling down curses on the president in the name of the devil is not okay. There you go. There will be my my anti-witchcraft pitch for the day. All right, uh, people are speaking into the lives of your kids. You may even have stuffed toys that are speaking into the lives of your kids. If you own a cloud pet, cloud pet, it's time to listen up. When you bought your cloud pet, uh, again, excuse uh, all of the other noise uh, that you're hearing in relationship to the show taking place next to me. There you go. Um, 
if you have a cloud pet, you probably didn't think through the fact that when you connect that cloud pet to the Internet, um, you're actually you're loading those voices onto a server somewhere out there. Now, your cloud pet toy is connected to mobile apps that allow you uh, to send messages to your kids, uh, and they're played through stuffed animals. So, you know, they get to actually hear your voice come through the stuffed animal. That's great. The problem is your cloud pet was being backed up to an insecure database that does not require any authentication. So I want you to imagine that your smartphone has the ability for you to, you know, type in a code to actually unlock it, but you don't ever use that, right? If you've ever, maybe you have a smartphone and you've never set up that um, that code on the on the front screen, you just bypass that. Well, that's basically what's going on here. So. All of the information from all of these cloud pets, all of those little recordings of all the all those little precious things that your child has said to the cloud pet, all of that data has been stored in the cloud, but in an insecure database that did not require any authentication to access it. So hackers went in there, deleted or stole the data, and then posted a ransom note um, in order uh, to get it back. Well, here's the here's the big issue. All the all the recorded uh, recordings of all of those little kids saying all of those things that they said over the course of time to their cloud pet um, are now in the hands of uh, of other people. They're being listened to by other people. Okay, that's just creepy. That's just that's just creepy. And I know that's not your intent. So this is really the question: What kind of technology are you inviting into your home? What kind of technology are you inviting into the lives of your children? And have you actually thought through the consequences? You've actually taken the time to think through the facts of the matter in relationship to the technology that you are introducing into your family and into the lives of your children. Um, so just because it's a cool new technology toy, it doesn't mean that it's righteous or right. So I just want you to, you know, maybe place one more level of evaluation on that uh, on that conversation um, as you're having it. All right, folks. This is the Reconnect. We've got some great resources posted for you online right now. Today is Glitter Ash Wednesday. Go grab that article to prepare yourself to talk about uh, talk about that subject. But also grab the resource on the shack to prepare yourself to talk with people who see the movie. Go to reconnectwithcarmen.com, sign up for the podcast, donate to the ministry, share someone's uh, share today's program with someone new. Have a great day. God bless. We'll see you right back here tomorrow. The Reconnect is brought to you by the Presbyterian Lay Committee. To continue the conversation and become part of the Reconnect community, visit reconnectwithcarmen.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.